go ahead and hit record here and we're gonna start the show are you recording are you you recording how is it going is your recording good i hope it's wonderful i hope you have a great recording good job good luck thank you thank you very much eric Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Disc Golf Answerman. I am Bobby Cool Daddy Slick Breeze, and I have with me my wonderful co-hosts, Eric Oakley and Robert McCall. We are here on January 3rd, the first Disc Golf Answerman of 2022. Hey, what'd you guys do for uh, New Year's Eve? Do you do anything crazy? Nope. Nope. Went to sleep at 11 o'clock. <laughs> really? What'd you do, yeah. like the New York countdown, and then you're like, we're done? No, we didn't even watch any countdowns. Tina and I... I I actually got sick uh, right after Christmas, and I've been crushed. I lost three days this past week. Really? Where three full days, I didn't do anything. I, I had a fever. I drank a lot of water and Pedialyte and emergency and a lot of DayQuil. <laughs> so much DayQuil. And, uh, and I'm finally feeling a little bit more human now so yeah it was i, I was i was pretty wrecked for many days so that's why no festivities were had what about you or robert you and owen go out and paint the town red uh i mean you know as per usual for me on <laughs> new year's eve when got hammered got crazy crick cray crunk crunk no we actually did christmas with shay's family over new year's weekend oh um so we were in junction just hung out with them and Yep, it was cool. I Good. certainly did not stay up until 11, though. I'll tell you that much. Well, I guess I'm the only, I'm the single guy, so I'm the one that had to do it up for everybody. Oh, I single. Was, I was oh. out. I was out. Uh, let's see. We went to a place called Society Burgers, which was fantastic, delicious. They have a delicious peanut butter and jalapeno jelly burger. So good. So I got that and which was with some friends. And then we went to a friend's friend's house, partied there, countdown, uh, had the champagne. And then we went to another friend's house and just chilled there and watched 80s movies. When you walk into any establishment, do you just say, do y'all know if anyone in here is ready to mingle? And then just gauge the room because you're so single, Bobby. Is that like that's pretty much? Is that yeah. what you do? <laughs> I have Start, a name tag. Me. I have a name tag that says "Hello, my is name." Is anyone is... prepared to mingle? Yeah, it says "Hello, my name is Bobby. I'm ready to mingle." Dude, that's what I'm talking about. I know it's worked so far zero times. So um, okay, that's <clears throat> we might have to try a different strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, what was that Pizza Hut cup from the '90s? What? Whoa. Was that a Pizza Hut cup from the... Oh, no. I don't know. No, this is just what, something I bought at Walmart. So it does look like a Pizza Hut cup, though. Mighty tasty and pour water. All right, so we got a lot going on for the tonight for the show. Uh, and let's see. Let me look at my notes here. I want to make sure... So we've got questions from Facebook. we got questions from Google. But we also want to see if we can get some questions from YouTube because I'm sure you guys got a lot of questions. So if you're watching on YouTube Live, put them in the comments and we'll try to get to those. Um... One thing I want to announce before we really get going, though, is, ooh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Where did I put it? Okay, you guys talk for a little bit. You mingle for a little bit. I'll be right back. Uh, actually, neither of us are single, uh, so we uh, are not ready. I don't know what this mingling speaks <laughs> I haven't I mingled in many years. 
Um, hey, been many uh, in the chat, yeah, in, in the chat, uh, we've got a question. Eric said, uh, sorry, says, Eric, are you going to throw Innova's new Phantom Sword? I don't understand what that means. Uh, it is the new Power Disc from Innova. Ah, ah, so they've kind of fit right in that 10 speed overstable slot. Yeah, if if it comes out like the 13th run PDs, it's basically a Firebird. Um, but if it comes out like any of the run of PDs that I liked, which were first, third, eighth runs, um, and those were all like, it, it was all a disc that you threw like flat or baby hyzer and just knew it was never going to turn, never going to do anything crazy. It was just going to kind of like stay straight for a long time with a he- like healthy fade at the end. So that kind of disc. Yeah. But I'm currently throwing the discraft onyx in that slot dude that frisbee is good that's a good disc i i I expected it honestly to not do anything a thunderbird didn't do or a getaway didn't do but i really like the onyx i've got that in the bag also what i think the onyx does for me because i've never been like a wraith person if like i don't have never really been like I need this hybrid driver, 11 speed disc, like nine speed is nine or 10 speed has been good enough for me as far as, as fast as I want to go before I jump to a 12 speed or, or more. Um, and sixes or seven speeds, I guess are also like something that I love to jam on. So, but what I feel like I get with the Onyx is that it can do the nine speed stuff, but can, can, can kind of also do the 11 speed stuff. Like I throw that yeah. thing, are sometimes and it yeah. impresses me so good stuff and i think i have a a uh, much straighter run of the onyx where i've heard there's some overstable runs but i kind of like just buttering out like an onyx with a little bit of hyzer just like not even hitting it that hard and it just goes to straight yeah and goes <clears throat> so yeah money. I, th- I think that's what mine is like too um it may not be as uh, no, it's probably I, I, based on the way that you're describing. I think it's probably a similar stability. Um, right now, I have Firebird, Onyx, Escape, and my nine-speed slots, mm-hmm. like in that hybrid slots. And um, yeah, I I think the Onyx is fantastic. I was I was surprised by how much I liked it. I thought I would just go yeah. back to a PD um, or a Thunderbird or something, but I really like the Onyx. Does the Onyx totally. does the Onyx slam? Da, 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 da. Let the boys be boys. <laughs> no, nothing. Okay. It does not. It does not. Okay. Uh, I guess that's a, that's a asked, mingler's uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, you've never heard that you song. You only know about that if you mingle. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've heard that song, but I didn't know that Onyx had anything to do with it. Yeah, that's they made that song. Have you never uh, heard that song? Okay. You made it. No, of course I've heard that song. What about live under uh, a rock? And there goes the copyright. We're done. DMCA, dude. Oh, okay. Well, well it's all right. It's under 10 uh, seconds. This isn't monetized yet because we don't have enough subscribers. I know. You need to subscribe. We need to get to 1,000 subscribers so, we can, so that we can, get, <laughs> we can get canceled when we play songs. When I sing he songs. He said, look at me. Uh, reset is the grace. Is the grace like the Onyx? I find graces to be way more stable than I thought. Uh, Reese, uh, I have not thrown the grace yet. I've heard that they are... Kind of in that wraith slot, but a little bit more understable. At least the first ones were. Um, I think the newer ones are a little bit more stable, but I haven't thrown any yet. I would like to. It sounds like a good disc. Yeah, the the grace 
I like there's just more integrity in an onyx when even you throw it hard mm. where a grace wants to is going to like yeah it's going to turn play. it's not for you yeah. it's not going to be a straight disc yeah speaking of rpm discs ugh, i have this stack of rpm discs that i'm kind of testing and throwing it's all sweet nutty it's it, it's like the plastic's really unique so it's from new, new zealand um there's some there's some there's some really unique discs but it's just like I feel like I'm in that place where I've already kind of picked out my bag for the most part, but I still have some stuff that I'm kind of finding, but it's going to be hard yeah. for something to kind of like get itself into my bag. Nice. Uh, just real quick for our YouTube viewers. If you see me turn my head away and it's, I'm muted, it's because I'm about to sneeze my brains out because I've had so much sneezing today. So, but I'm trying to save you from hearing my loud sneeze. So um, just so you know. Um, so, so what I'm excited about and what I ran to go do is put on my new, Door Disc Off hoodie. This is oh, good. Nice. Uh, Shane from Door Disc Off. Uh, Door Disc sent me that. Um, so I've been uh, working with uh, Shane from Door Disc and his uh, wife, Sandy, on some different things with social media. And uh, we started talking about podcasting and he wants to do a podcast. And I think, so, obviously, I love podcasts. I think it's amazing. I think everybody who has an idea should do a podcast. Podcasting and audio, uh, social media is like on the rise and still going on the rise. And so he said, hey, what if what if you help me uh, put out a podcast? And I said, yeah, I'd love to help you. And we started brainstorming. And it was like, what if we had like the Disc Golf Answer Man Network, where it's the DeGam Network of podcasts, and he'd be the ah. first podcast. And I was like, yes, let's do it. Um, so I like this idea. Yeah. So Shane and Jeremy are doing a podcast. They're from the Wisconsin area. Now they're going to have their own spin on t- different topics. And of course, things that are happening within the Wisconsin area, but uh, all things disc golf and kind of their spin on different things and talking to different people and interview people in the, uh, the realm of disc golf. And they actually sent me a trailer that we're going to listen to right now. That way you guys get, get kind of an idea of what to expect from them. I'm going to play it right now. Now, the way I played it here, I think last time a few people said they couldn't hear it in the left side or they could hear it in the left side. So I'm not sure what happened with that one. But this one should come out full stereo. And now I've only listened to the very beginning of it. So maybe I'll not like the idea after I hear this trailer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> here we go. Let's listen from uh, Shane and Jeremy. This is the Night Owls Disc Golf Podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm JP. We're a weekly podcast where we discuss thought-provoking topics. Is there... Most likely, possibly. I don't know the inner workings of Inno, but from the outside looking in, there's definitely something there. There's some truth behind what all these players are moving and why people are, you know, jumping ship. And I think the same thing can be said to a lesser extent with DD over the past four years. You know, they, they had a lot of people leave. I think we've already mentioned that. Right. Um, and I think there's might be some internal strife where there's a transition in direction from being this super close family that Didi once was to now we need to put a marketing force out there in the form of a player. So we're going to start slashing um, budgets and putting more money towards these two top tier players. I could see that. Yeah. I know, yeah, like when, so when Ricky left, Paige left, they were trying to move money into players' pockets. They are trying mm-hmm. to give players better contracts. They wanted to have that tight, close-knit family feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Well, sounds like they're sounds like they're going to uh, really hit some hard topics really right off the bat. So they're oh, going to yeah. sounds awesome. Yeah, they're going to put their stuff out the nightly owl podcast podcast. Um, you'll I'll start sharing stuff on the Facebook group and on the Disc Golf Answer Man uh, Instagram. That awesome. way you can start following them. So just some new yeah. stuff out there. And I thought it'd be cool to have uh, the GAM Network. And uh, if you're interested in a podcast, running a podcast, let me know. Maybe we can work something out where it gets you out on the GAM Network of podcast. All so, right. Let's move I on. I dig that. I Funny. love that idea. That's yeah. awesome. I've, I feel like I've seen a little bit of that on some YouTube channels lately where it's just people legitimately talking about this golf news and they literally have no context or no inner workings and they just give their opinion. And to me, if somebody who has insider info, it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, you're completely wrong or <laughs> you're completely right. And it's like the public perception is completely right or they just they just have no idea. So it, I think it's going to do do very well. I think it's going to be great, especially once the season gets going and there's going to be more stories to be told, um, you know, about the inner workings of the the tour. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that was, something, that was something that I found interesting and sometimes comical and sometimes uh, a little frustrating when you would read comments where people would make speculations and I get it. They're making speculations because they don't know. And I knew things, insider things, just from talking to people and being in the business. Um, even now, when I see people speculate about certain things, it's like, no, that's not how it works. But, you know, people, again, people are guessing. And it's kind of funny to watch people guess at it. Um, just like yeah. when I, I had someone, I can't remember who it was, <clears throat> sent me a thing when we speculated about DD, uh, Kona going to DD. And they had reached out to the to Kona. And Kona said, no, I'm not going to DD. And he was like, I heard straight from Kona. And I, I knew I yeah. took it for the grace. Like she's going to tell you, right? Like, come on. And, and no offense to the guy that sent me the message. No offense to him at all. I mean, he was thought he was going to the, to the, you know, he was going right to the source. Um, but, uh, these people can't talk about certain things because they're under contract. Um, so you gotta be real careful. So anyway, once that person sent me that, I was like, oh, well, we'll see. Um, anyway, so, <clears throat> I love the idea, though, of having some different voices, especially because like we obviously have uh, a certain amount of knowledge and insider information based on our background and then our current situations. But a lot of times we're too close to see what the larger disc golf world sees. And so I love the idea of having people who are not literally in the middle of a company, uh, sorry, a manufacturer. <coughs> talking about it and fans uh, speculating. I'm, I'm about it. Man. Oh yeah. I'm all idea. about it. So it looks like from the comments though, Jeremy said I had left out the part of the wrestling. I didn't know there was a part of wrestling. My bad, Jeremy. Well, we're going to have to tell people to check out the episode so they can hear all about the wrestling. I'm assuming mm -hmm. the trailer is part of an actual episode. So let me know if I'm incorrect and maybe we'll have to play it at the end of the show, the entire trailer. So, but let's jump on and let's get some questions here from the disc golf fans. Man, let's see what we got here on the Google form. Uh, let's see. Oh, this one sent it. Looks like he sent it into this and to the Facebook group. So we'll get to this one. This one's actually a rules question. So you guys put your thinking cap on. If you want to look for it real quick, it's on 803.01 moving obstacles. So if you want to kind of look it up while I read his question, he said, explain this. 803.01 clearly states a player may move casual obstacles that are on the playing surfaces where a supporting point may be placed when taking a stance. Yet the QA is telling players they can move obstacles that are in their run-up and a lot of people do. It's a pet peeve of mine because the run-up area is not your lie. 
I think if you have debris behind your lie, you should be forced to do a standstill. And then, of course, he quotes the, the moving obstacle rule, B1, a, a player may move casual obstacles that are on the playing surface where a supporting point may be placed when taking a stance. But the Q&A part says, yes, if part of the branch is in your stance or run up behind your marker, you're allowed to move it, even if another part is between your lie and the hole. So, gentlemen, explain this. Yeah, I got you. <clears throat> uh, in the Q&A, I believe the example is talking about a dead branch or a dead limb, part of which is behind your life, part of which is in front. Because it's dead and unattached, you can move it. Um, okay, this is talking about obstacles on the course. And it defines casual obstacle as any item or collection of loose debris, such as stones, leaves, twigs, or unconnected branches, or any item as designated by the director. Now, I think this is pretty cut and dry. The what you're encountering or what you're seeing the difficulty in this with is that behind your lie is not your lie. Your lie is the disc. That's it. And so as long as those things are behind, you can move it. That's just how it goes. Whether whether it's right or wrong, that's how it goes. Now, if it's in front, you can't move it unless part of it is behind your lie. Um, and I get the idea, you know, if you threw into an area that has uh a mound of leaves you could and and your disc is in front of them closer to the basket than the leaves like you could move those all of them if you wanted to as long as it was within the time constraints but um i don't think a player should be punished for loose debris on the course especially if it's behind their lie if it's in front it is what it is but uh loose but if it's debris behind, isn't I'm, a, is an intention of by a course designer in the course yeah like, exactly that's that, a, that's that, a great way to put it like that we need to be thinking about the integrity of the game at that point and why we're playing at, the, at that point like you're not playing like mm, sorry man it's like outside of your lie you can't really move that it's like this was never here this was like it's mm -hmm. a branch that fell like there's this isn't supposed to be there to to me that's how i i view it and uh you won't see anybody calling that unless it's like an actual becoming in front of your lie type of thing people will call i think the what happens more often is people backing into stuff like into their lie it's like you can't you shouldn't be doing that it's like if you can't if if you can't approach your lie from behind then you have to try and approach it from the front so like i think that's probably where i would start as a as a tool but that i agree with you robert it's like it's not yeah. the intent. Yeah, yeah. And the the backing into a lie is mostly a problem when it's a tree and things yeah. are still attached. Um and the rule and the rule specific about that, it doesn't say that you can move anything that's attached. It has to be either, you know, rocks, limbs, whatever, but it has to be dead and unattached in order for you to be able to move it. Where do you take your stance? But then is is what Humbolo Rojo has mentioned in the in the chat and i i i hear you on that but man we would need to penalize every person for moving anything with their feet or their bag moving something debris wise if you kick a stick while you're walking through the fairways it's the same concept man like and i i would much rather as robert said not punish players for for their lives and for loose debris that isn't meant to be there so that's that's kind of where I'd go with it. It's like, yes, is 
are you supposed to? But if you stay within your restraints, I think it's totally fine. All right. Carlos has a question. He says, hey, the game crew, thanks for always providing great content and a resource for players to ask questions. Here's my question. I struggle with grip issues. I have dry, calloused hands and discs tend to slip out early at times. How can I combat this issue to increase consistency? Uh, I lick my fingers. Um, a lot of European players, and I think Holly Finley, will they'll breathe onto the disc or breathe onto their fingers to get some grip and some tack. Uh, I've I have been one for that being the ticket. And some and some people, it's like using a whale sack gives them more grip, and. You know, some people are different because if you have already dry hands, a whale sack is only going to make your hand more dry. So um, I would start with a little little bit of tack with um, spit or your breath and making some condensation on the disc. What about you, Robert? What do you do? That's what I do. I, I lick a finger. It's gross, um, but it is what it is. It, it gets the job done. Um, I also, it, I generally have dry hands and not like... Here it is. I'm just going to say it. Flame me in the chat if you want to. But uh, I don't remember what company makes it, but it's called Working Hands. It's like a hand lotion, hand cream. It helps a lot with calluses and uh, dry hands. Um, so I've tried that and it's been helped. Don't do it right before you throw the disc or else, you know, it's just going to slip out because super greasy. Rounds. But yeah, in, bet- in between rounds and it doesn't take much for it to be effective. So I, I yeah, like so doing that in to- between rounds. Yeah, just because like I don't know, man. I just don't. I don't like to have dry hands. Um, but yeah, working hands is is the ticket for me. And then yeah, when I get ready to throw, I just lick my thumb, and then that gets enough moisture on there that you really get a good tack from that, and I go from there. So I remember one time I was out uh, quite a few years ago. I want to get y'all's opinion, see if it's it was just a mental thing or not. But I remember I was uh, walking around taking photos, and I can't remember what event it was at, but it was uh, walked up to Zach Melton. And I wanted to take a picture or do some video or something of his bag, right? And I went to touch and to like move his discs around. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You got greasy hands? And I thought, well, I don't, normally I don't. He's like, uh, like he didn't want me to touch his disc because he didn't want the oil from my hand to get on there. Now, I know Zach can be kind of goofy sometimes and stuff like that, but I don't know. Is that a thing? Do you, do you prefer not have other 100%. people touch your discs? 100% that is a thing. Uh, Zach was probably messing with you. I don't think he's no. that particular about his stuff. Uh, but I know from experience, uh, Bradley Williams a while ago, we, we would drive to a lot of Texas tournaments together and he would often not have stamps on his discs. And I was like, dude, do you just like wipe all your discs because you just don't like stamps? He said, no, my hands are so oily and greasy that it wipes the stamps off of them over time. And he wasn't kidding. And I watched it happen. Like I, I looked at the discs myself. Wow. So yes, there, there are people with hands who are crazy oily and greasy um, to the point where it could take the stamp off a disc over time. Interesting. So I ended up just spitting yeah. all over his discs. So I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead of touching him, I just spit, spit on all over. Him yeah. <laughs> just la- hacked up some ho- loogies and stuff. All right, let's jump over to uh, Mr. Tim. He says, my question has to do with the release angle. What is the most consistent release angle? Is there one? My natural release angle. Uh, did we do we that did one? this last time. Oh, yep. Alrighty then. Sorry, Tim. 
we will now skip you. All right, let's head over to the Facebook groups. Uh, did, is that what you talked about while I was getting this hoodie on was uh, the two discs that Eric's working on? No, I did not. Oh, okay. But I'll pop those real quick. Yeah, go for it. Uh, currently working with the Discmania CD2, the original uh, Innova made CD2. Loving it. I got this dyed one. It's pretty sweet. Loving it for forehands. Uh, and I probably will start working it into some more backhands, but I really kind of got it back in the bag for a lot of forehand shots. It fills the straight felon role that I was looking for. And um, it was what I was using before I threw the felon and the MVP reactor has actually been a wonderful surprise. I think the numbers are not accurate, especially on this um, eclipse glow run. Um, I think that this is like a traditional five five zero two, uh, if you will, type of uh, a mid range and how it flies. Uh, maybe a tick more, like five, almost a five five zero three, kind of like a verdict, but uh, I think has a little bit um, a little bit more into it. And why I like this is because it feels very similar to my Pathfinder, but offers um, offers more over stability. So. I will throw a Pathfinder for basically almost every single mid-range shot outside of when I just want Heiser finish. Then I'll I'll pull out the reactor type of thing is what I've been really jamming on this for. So it's like if I, I, I know I want left, but like I know I can make a uh, a Pathfinder get left if I just, you know, push it on Heiser and smooth it out. But this is like one that I can throw flat and get left. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah, those are the two tests. Nice. Good job. I like. I like it, like it. All right, heading over to the Facebook group. This is from Jason. He wants to know, how do I choose a weight on a disc when he's throwing backhand and he has a noodle arm? Go lighter to start. Go lighter. Just There's nothing wrong with throwing a disc in the 160 class. The one thing you'll find out is you'll you'll quickly start to understand: Do you have the arm speed for that disc, or do you have too much arm speed for that disc? So those are those I think are the things you should be kind of considering: is start lighter and work your way up, rather than starting heavier and working your way down. Um, I've always thrown max weight stuff, even back in the day, outside of when I first started playing. And when I first started playing, it was like lots of 140 to 150 DX Valkyries and Leopards. So that might have helped my game early on. But as I got, once I got good, then I, I felt like I was throwing mainly max weight stuff. So it is, it, it, I guess I will say that I did start out with a ramp up from lightweight stuff to heavyweight stuff. Anything different from you, Robert? No, I think yeah. Eric nailed it. All right, let's move on to Christopher throwing mechanics question. How much, if at all, should I be actively using the muscles in my upper arm to throw a backhand? I believe I want to trap the moment, the momentum from the X step to close at the elbow, but should I try to actively engage my arm to open it back up or should I let the rotation of my shoulders fling the lower arm open? Thanks, Doug and fellas. Man, this is one that almost needs video. Okay, so I, yeah, I'm trying to think through what you said, and I think one temptation 
that people have, and this is a form flaw of mine, is that when you think about leading with your lead shoulder, I th- I think that's how you get into rounding. Um, and so I, I think you have the right idea, at least the way that you talked about it was getting started with your elbow. You want to think like you're, you know, elbowing down a door. At that point, I don't think you need to think about opening your arm. I think once you start with your elbow, everything else should kind of go in line with it. Um, yeah, deep reach of back. Making... Oh, sorry. I cut out. Yeah. You guys cut out. Yeah. It's okay. Um, <laughs> like I don't have a, I don't have a very deep reach back, but a lot of times I'll get back here and get stuck because I'm trying to rotate too quickly instead of start the motion with my elbow. If I start with that shoulder, then you're going to have a really inconsistent release point. Um, so yeah, leading with your elbow, I think that's the way to do it. Good. I, I what were you saying, Eric? All I was saying is making sure that the core and lower body are involved. That should be a lot of where a lot of the power is generated. Like you need some of the driving motion from your arm and shoulder, but most of it comes from that lower body and core. Kind of firing all, all in unison. Yes. Yes. So a question I asked on the Facebook. Uh, Bobby, your, your mic is muted. Alrighty then. I was coughing earlier, but now I am not. So you probably <laughs> going to hear me. Sorry. Uh, so earlier on the Facebook group for the Disc Golf Answer Man, by the way, go out there and join. Just look up Disc Golf Answer Man podcast. Join the group and you can join the conversation. So I'd asked a question uh, and I wondered what uh, maybe our YouTube viewers, if they didn't see the questions, what their answer would be. And of course, get some feedback from Eric Oakley and Robert McCall. So. We knew what Paul Macbeth made because that was a huge deal, right? We knew what a few, and we're starting right. to know what these bigger players make as far as their contract, as far as what they're quote unquote guaranteed to get. You know, we don't know the bonuses. We don't know exact. Um, some of the bonuses we know, we know how much they make on tour because of what we see on the PDJ as far as career winnings. Um, and we know that's only based off winning tournaments. Do you think that we should be like other sports and have it, you know, maybe not announce it, but have it available for people to see how much individual people are making when it comes to contracts they uh, sign with manufacturers. What are your thoughts as a player, Eric? As a player, I feel like we're still in a place where the pay gap is so drastic that if everybody knew what everybody was getting across the board, We'd have a lot of really pissed off people, if to be to be honest with you, because there would be a lot of people who would find out where they stack up, and I think the manufacturers would be pissed about this as well. So, until each and every manufacturer is willing to pay a more realistic wage to where players don't even have to question it then at that point, I think we're good. But I know for a fact that right now we are not there yet. Now, let me ask you this. I don't know if you guys know, but so like I don't follow football close enough. I don't follow follow other sports. And so we know how much the big, big players make, right? We'll watch ESPN. I'll be watching ESPN or something and they'll talk about someone's contract moving over here. But I don't know how much the kicker makes. They don't announce necessarily what a kicker makes. Right. So up, is that something that I could look up and literally find? 
Yes. Okay. Okay. So then that kind of negates sure. what I was going to say about the comparison with disc well, golf. There's, there's yeah. like at least there's at least <laughs> minimum salaries in football in place to where you know that they're making that much or more type of situation. And the minimum yeah. wage for a football player is astronomical in comparison to what most people make. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. It's, it's awesome. Um, but okay. So I'll counterpoint golf doesn't really share player salaries, player deals. And if we're, <clears throat> if we are, you know, most akin to golf, even if it's just in name, uh, I, I think it, there are more similarities than that. Um, I'm not surprised that player deals aren't publicized more often. I think the danger of publicizing these big deals is, you know, if you're a player who didn't get one of those, but you're, let's say you're beating, um, you know, you're beating a player who got a huge deal on the reg and you're sponsored by the same manufacturer or something like that. I wouldn't be very pleased if I was that player. Yeah. I mean, I get, I, it, it, it is what it is. People are going to pay what they're going to pay. But um, Eric, Eric and I got into this a little bit earlier, but I think this is a great time if you're a player to sign a new deal because these big public deals are out there. And even if, even if you're not Paul Macbeth, even if you're not winning, even if you're not in the top three all the time, the fact that somebody is getting 10 years, 10 million automatically rises like the tide for everybody else, right? Raises the tide. Raises the lifts, tide. Lifts the tide. Rising tide. Yeah, whatever it is. Rising tide. Push, push you, it know what you know what I'm trying to say. You Dr- know what I'm trying to say. Everybody. Um, everybody drowns. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yes, and then all other players drown, right, right, right. except for that one. They have $10 million. Right. So they're good. Um, I think that's beneficial for all players because that deal and those few highly publicized deals by themselves make it so that all players are going to ask for more. And we're seeing right now, if you don't, um, gosh, if you don't advocate for yourself, somebody's going to get paid. The, the, the money is going somewhere. And if, uh, if your current sponsor isn't going to give it, maybe somebody else will. And I think a lot of the moves that we're seeing right now are the result of of that. Now, personally, I don't think it's sustainable long-term. Um, it'll take, it'll take us a few years to really see the impact of these huge deals. And, you know, if they are justifiable based on disc sales and disc golf growth, well, I, think, think, I, I think, I think, I think it's tough for it to, to say it's justifiable long-term. And a lot of these, a lot of these sports that we compare to, they like have salary caps. They have to mm. do these things. Yeah. And another part about golf, not having what a salary or what a sponsorship is worth is because a dude goes out, you know, gets 15th at Augusta and the dude makes more money than most people do in 10 years. Yeah. Like it's a hundred percent on that. So, so it's not as important that people know these things. Where in disc golf, the sponsorships is for most, I would say probably say for all players, is more than they'll make in a year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and they get that through bonuses. They get that through a lot of different things. It's like, that's going to be more money. So, and it's super important for us to kind of keep doing that and keep proving that. And again, another part right now is that most disc manufacturers and most disc golf companies 
make more money than than we do at we in weekends. Like a Paul a Paul McBeth goes wins a tournament at the weekend. Doesn't matter. Discraft made way more money that week or weekend than Paul McBeth did. Just off of that tournament alone, not off of what Paul gets paid, is what I'm what I'm saying. So right. we're in that place where until the tournaments start to kind of be a big source of that income and revenue for us, where it's not as necessary, we might just shift towards more the golf aspect rather than trying to compare ourselves to pro sports where everybody's is uh, talked about and known. Um, yeah, but I think so, what wait, a lot wait, of what Drew so, and other players have tried to do is just to kind of get it out there and make sure people are being taken care of. Did I, I mis- think that's the biggest part of it. Sure. Did so, I maybe I may have misunderstood your example, so I apologize. But you you said on a weekend, Macbeth wins. The manufacturer made more money than Macbeth did. Yeah, just because of how much the manufacturer makes in a week, anyways. Just products is what I mean. You're saying is, that Macbeth yeah. should make more money than the manufacturer? No, no, no. What I'm what no. I was getting at is that is just like it. We're at that standpoint where tournaments aren't paying all that much at all. Ah, uh, okay. So to, to 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 be our sole like source of income, like it would be. Income, I got you. Or I agree. That our makes main sense. source of our income, where sponsorships is more of the additional. I got you. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I just wanted to get y'all's take on that. Um, I didn't see if there were there any points on YouTube people made that were. I, yeah, I don't. Reese, my, my, well, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Before my opinion, though, no, real quick, good. is that uh, I don't. I think no, it would be. It. I would think. It, yeah, I got it. No, I'm going to go. Ahead. Yeah, can I? Yeah. I, I my opinion is that it would be more harmful than it would be good. There might be some good for us to know what manufacturers make because the whole thing to, or what players make. Because the whole argument of I would love to know what all the manufacturers make. Let's do that. <laughs> the but the players they think it to me that if some people are like, well, it'll it'll level the playing field because if I know how much you make, then I know how much I'm worth. I don't think that's I don't think that's what will be the ultimate outcome if I, all the players knew what all the players make. I think it would be more resentment and and cause more harm than good. Now I don't have any data yeah. or facts other than what I feel based on talking to different people. Sure. But you're making the assumption that resentment isn't already there. It's already there. 100%. No, that's not, that's not what I was doing. Maybe I should clarify. I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll cause resentment that not, that's not there. It would actually cause, I guess I should say more resentment because then they would have, they would have the ammo to say, this is why I'm, yes, I knew it the whole time. You're paying him more than me. And this is what I do. This is what I do. They don't do this, this is whatever. And uh, so I think it would cause even more resentment because they actually have the information to back up their claims or at least their claims based on what they feel. Yeah, no, I I hear you. Yeah. Reese said, it seems like keeping contracts private would only keep players from their, from earning their true potential. It seems like this would only benefit manufacturers. Um, And I think that's true. The, the, the parties that stand to benefit most are manufacturers when deals aren't publicized. Uh Uh, be, be like because if you're let's say you're in a bubble of XYZ manufacturer and you don't talk to anybody else and you don't know what they're getting paid and they say hey here's here's five hundred dollars a month maybe you think that's great maybe you think that's not enough but you don't have any frame of reference it, it yeah the manufacturers are certainly the parties that benefit the most when deals are not shared I think so is it a bad to do the assumption of equating this or uh uh, uh 
uh, comparing it to the outside world, the the regular, the corporate sector, whether in other words, if, if I were to get a job at a certain manufacturer and someone else doing the same job or a similar job would me knowing their salary and them knowing my salary, that would be okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, or is this the, just a completely world, different animal? I think it's a different animal. And Ch- Chaser said it well. He said confidential salaries can be a bit of a game theory. And I and I agree. There's There are um, a lot of different ways that you can look at this and different winners and different losers in every situation. Um, and so, yeah, it just depends on the outcome that you're that you're trying to have. Like at my job right now, <clears throat> the commercial sales team gets a dashboard sent out every month that says, this is how much this person sold this month. This is how much this person made this month. And everybody sees everybody's. Wow. And so it's like, Hey, if you're not, if you're not selling well, everybody knows. And if you are selling well, everybody knows. So it's pretty easy to find out who the, who the best performers are if you want to. Yeah. And there's not really a place to hide if you're not one of those. Um, I like the idea of that because then everybody can see and nobody just gets the kind of, you know, skirt their way through. Now, is that uh, the your entire the salary or just what you've made based off? Is your entire salary sales? Uh, no, this in this job, it's a base plus. Right, okay. um, yeah. but, so they just see the plus. Every, they see the plus. Right. 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 That's true. But everyone starts at the same base. Oh, OK. So, I mean, you, you can get raises based on how long you've been there, if you've been promoted, all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, at least that part is pretty public. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Here's, here's, here's a concept. Pay people what they're worth. And. But worth it. But worth. Who, 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 but who, who, who establishes the worth? Yeah. That's, there's that's no the guideline to say, I do this, I do this, you, so this okay, is my worth right, line. So you want a player to go out on tour, uh, right? Uh-huh. You need to understand the level of expenses that they have to, they have to make. If you want them to be a touring player for your team, then that includes. I don't know, seven, six to seven thousand dollars in entry fees. Uh, they're going to need some travel. They're going to need uh, some additional income to pay for lodging. They're going to need some. They're going to need some clothes to wear uh, to represent you. They're going to be. They're going to need a lot of these things. So there is a base amount that should be paid to most touring players that are signing on for these teams that are, are that people are signing on for and. Right now, I think there are plenty of manufacturers who don't even cover those things. And that's <laughs> fine because they have deeper teams and uh, some teams will pay in royalties. So you might make more than that, but you aren't getting the essentials covered until all of your discs sell. So it's you're playing this kind of like, hope oh, my discs sell. And also, I hope they produce my discs before September type of thing. So you run into this weird spot where you have to be, I think that there should be a base level for any major, not major person, most players who are out there touring for a team. So there'd be an expectations of how many tour, how many uh, 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 tournaments you play. And then if you meet that expectation, then you get what, uh, for lack of a better term, a base pay, base pay, a guaranteed base Uh pay. Okay, I so think there should be a base Chase, pay for most touring disc golfers, and I don't think we have. Any so, but the thing is, is that disc golf isn't unique in this because I've heard other things. I think even Robert, maybe you, you've taught, heard pickleball, where there's pickleball pro players, where they're 
they're scrounging. They're barely making it, but they've got to go to these events if they want to make, be a professional pick, pick, pickleballer, pickleball player, and have their sponsorship. So they go through. I am sure other sports go through this same. Oh yeah, type of deal as far as uh, expenses and money. Yeah, a hundred percent. And <clears throat> a couple of people have said this on the board, and this is what I was going to say. Eric, when you said pay, pay people what they're worth, that's just super subjective. Like I, I, I'm with you on the idea of a base pay. If it is, you know, um, entry fees and travel and clothes and whatever, put those expenses together, um, with, uh, you know, with kind of a national cost of living assumed. And then this is yep. the baseline. Sure. But first of all, no company is ever going to go for that. Um, unfortunately, but it just, it just is what it is. But the, the idea of saying that I can just pay people what they're worth, that's the player thinks that they're worth something totally different than the company thinks that they're worth. And that is across the board. True. There is no player for which that is not true. I don't think anybody would be like, you know what I'm getting, I'm getting paid exactly what I'm worth. In fact, often, I mean, I think almost everyone would say I'm not getting paid enough. If, if they're a player, I'm, I'm worth a lot more than I'm currently getting paid. Everybody. And the, the, he said this too. Everyone wants a deal. Companies want a deal. Players want a deal. Everybody wants to feel like they're getting the most and getting either paid the most or in the company's case, getting the most and paying the least. That's just the fight that, that people fight. And um, yeah, as we're growing, I think I, it's cool to see people getting more people getting taken care of. That's awesome. Um, it's just tough to say that that should be the case for every person on tour. And, and like, there, there, there's no way you yeah. could say, hey, this person deserves this level just based on wins because it's not all about wins. Or this person deserves this level just based on their social media presence because it's not all about that. So, and honestly, if you're touring, like, you're probably not winning. Like, right, like most right. people on tour don't win. I mean, look, yeah. go, go look at my PDGA stats. For an example, I think I've played close to 75 or 80% of my tournaments on tour four wins, right? One unsanctioned win, if you want to count it, but that doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like it. So is my value based on wins? Absolutely not. My value is based on grinding and being a person and being likable and selling discs and right. running clinics and just hot and talking to people. So it's it, again, it's it paying people what they're worth is I, I, I think it comes down to a a moral thing. Put hmm. business out, take business out of it. Morally, pay people what they're worth. Hmm. I think is is something that I think would come to my mind as as something that needs to change a little bit. Huh. I I want to dive into that more, but I don't feel like we'll have enough time if we really do. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> next okay. time. Yeah. 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 Let's let's put let's let's somebody remind us. Reese table Chaser, it. Table. Bring us back. Table it. Bring us back. Bring us back. All right. So let's see. Back to the Facebook group uh, questions we got. Looks like we just have people speculating on Ricky going to DD just because of uh, look like. Not sure if it's a fake yes. or a real link of a DD felon, yes. a Ricky Ricky Wysocki felon. I mean, we can kind of guess by what's been transpiring on its social media and things like that, that it's uh, more than likely Ricky Wysocki. I'd be very, very shocked if it wasn't. Um, but it looks like uh, something that's either leaked on purpose or leaked on accident to show a Ricky Wysocki felon. 
Um, so that's interesting. Uh, Joshua, that's, a, that's an accident. I, I know exactly what happened. What? I, I can tell you this second what happened. The, uh, that when you get ready to list a product at DD, you have to create a URL for it in order to fill the inventory. The URL got created. It wasn't, uh, I, I bet it wasn't listed on the website, but if you know how to search that website, you can happen across something. If it's, if it's not on the website, but it's not hidden, it's kind of complicated to explain, but I guarantee that's what happened. Um, unless it was like, oops, we, we leaked it. I don't think it was that if it was yeah. good on you, like that's cool. I but it, I think it was, um, I think it was, I, 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 I think it was an accident. I think um, it was an accident. On but purpose. either, Either way, I think it's cool. Oh yeah, it's cool. And uh, yeah, you're right. People, and the thing is, is that the the whole way that the website works, people. I remember when we would have years ago, we would put people on the team, and we would create the team page, and yes, people and would. Then, I mean, before we even pushed it out to social media, people would be uh, screenshotting it and putting it out on Facebook that they someone's new. So there's people that literally sit and watch this stuff, which is cool. I mean, this is yeah. disc golf. People love disc golf and they love being fanatics about it. Yeah. Uh, what, hey, speaking super quick, speaking of DD, congrats to Kona. That's a, oh, yeah. that's a huge deal. Four years, 500 K guaranteed. That's <clears throat> awesome. I thought the video that they put together was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah, understand just, the helicopter, but it definitely I don't, added some. Cool I don't either, but effect. it just had, it just felt like, Hey, uh, we have a budget for this video and they're like, cool, we're done. And we're way under budget. They're like, helicopter, helicopter. Who's in? Sure. It's like, and, like, and sure. I, I'm sure, but I'm sure they wanted to start this off with a bang. And I get that. It just seems, yeah. It and just I'd, seems, I'd say mission accomplished. Huge showmanship. Um, sure. It but, just, it, it was yeah, all yeah, yeah. as perfect way to put it, Bobby, all showmanship. Right. But even, even from just from the start of the, like disregard the helicopter. Um, I just thought the video was well made. I think, I think they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it turned out good. I'm happy for Kona. Um, always liked Kona. I remember a couple of years ago, we, mm-hmm. me, we all went on a bike ride. Me, Kona, Colton, Emac, and Daniel, uh, not Daniel, sorry, Denise, please. I hope she doesn't see this episode. <laughs> Anyway, Caesar, I, I I like the those two, Col- Colton and uh, oh yeah, Kona. oh yeah, good people. Good people. Really, I really like Colton too. So Stephen wants to know what's the current status of disc manufacturing? Chaos. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's still chaos. Pure chaos. Do you everybody, think it's still trying to catch up? Behind? Oh, absolutely. Now is it more? And, is uh, it more of a oh, question yeah. of catching up because of the growth of disc golf, or catching up because of the lack of uh, materials? Because of Mac, more, lack of material. Lack is of that material, more of what's going on? A hundred percent. Because from what I have heard, even some manufacturers are being put onto quotas. Uh, I guess is quota the right word? Allotments? Allotments. That's actually the better term. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. are certain plastics are, they can only get a certain amount of, where before it was like, hey, can we get infinity of this? And they were like, yeah, dude, we got you. And now it's like, can we get a lot of this? And they're like, nah, you can have some. Like that's kind of what's happening uh, right now. So I think a lot of companies and this is every single manufacturer is dealing with this because let's be real. A lot of companies are getting the plastics from the same people. So, yep. Interesting. Yep, for sure. Interesting. So, I mean, it's not to say that disc golf isn't still growing, but I, uh, yeah, I could see because I, you know, you see it in other, uh, 
uh, store businesses or something and other entities that aren't disc golf where the lack of material is hurting people's, uh, mm. I mean, I know that like cars, I think it was, I don't know if it's still a thing, but a while back, someone was saying that the, the little microchip, something that was there, they couldn't get all the material for the microchips that go into cars. And so they said they have just warehouse of cars waiting for the little microchip to catch up with, uh, with what they're making. So that's crazy. Uh, let's see. Why do professional, <coughs> excuse me, why do professional disc golf contracts exist if a majority of them are ended early? I don't know that there's a majority of them ending early, but I think no. they make, they make big news when they do end early. And I would say it was just like it, why any other contract ends when yeah. the, both parties have agreed that there's, Everybody. they can't, yeah, they yeah. can't reach a mutual agreement. So they mutually decide, you know what? I know we have the contract here, but let's go ahead and part ways. I don't know that there's any, any, uh, any other yeah. way to look at that. It's as if, it's as if anytime you've said, you're like, I'm going to do this for three days and you, and you don't live up to that. Like you're like, it's not good enough. So it's like, it is, it is just one of those situations where business happens. Yep. Purely and business. People, people go, people grow in different directions. Look at myself as a prime example. Didi and I were not seeing eye to eye and we were, we were just growing and we wanted to go different directions. So we did. And it's, I, I not like, I would imagine they had ideas about Kona and Ricky as things that they were working on when they were talking to me about my deal and working out, working things out with me. So that was probably weighing into why we weren't seeing eye to eye as well, because they were ready to move in a different direction. Their, their business went, took a turn that I didn't take. And that is, again, that's fine. That's all business and i'm you know and i i'm better for it i'm i'm happy and i'm happy for them and hopefully hopefully all the things that they're investing in goes and pays off and i really do think that infinite investing in me and thought space investing in me and upper park is uh the the perfect place for where i'm going so people's contracts end for many reasons and it's not always bad but most of the time it's just business Frank wants to know, I always, and this is an interesting question. I always wondered if two discs from two different companies can be exactly the same or if when it's approved, it is like a patent and they can't be the exact same. So you would have to change one measurement by one millimeter or something. I don't think there's any patent on a specific mold. I mean, that was kind of the thing why the disc. Hold on, kinda, hold on, hold on. There, there are patents on specific molds. Oh, there are? But, but you would, I mean, you're asking the PDGA to... Uh, test those exact molds against each other? No. There you could you send in this disc, they send in this disc, it could be the same. They're both going to get approved as long as they meet the technical specifications. And I don't think anybody's I think it costs more money to create a patent on a disc now mm -hmm. than it used to. So didn't the patent run if out? It's going to be approved? Didn't some run uh, out? Some patents some patents did run out on yeah. some discs. Yeah. Um but you as a company say, I don't know what the, the dollar amount is, but I have to pay X dollars to patent this. Or I cannot pay X dollars and I can still have it approved for play and I can and I can still make money off of it. You don't pay the X dollars. You just don't do it. Like, yeah, yeah. somebody might rip it off. But at the same time, if you promote the product in the right way, people are going to buy your product. It's the original. So those types of things are important. 
All right. I think that's it for as far as uh, people asking questions. It seems like people are just mostly talking about the Ricky Wysocki felon. Uh, Chaser EK wants to know, hey, why'd they do that? Why'd they do that? I don't know. And Jerome wants to know, why, is that why good? Why'd they do that? I mean, it is good, Jerome. So we're good on that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all. That's a good show. We got that's all the show. That's all yeah. she wrote. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Thank you guys so much for sending those in. Reese, Make sure you send those Chaser, questions. Bring us back to next week. Yes, bring us back bring to us next back. week. Um, yes, make sure you check out Door Disc. Uh, look up the Nightly Owl podcast. You'll be able to look it up uh, anywhere you... Uh, I have to look at the dates. I think they're supposed to be... By the end of this week, they're going to have a few episodes. I apologize, Jeremy and Shane, if you're watching. But I believe by the end of this week, you'll be able to look up Nightly Owl podcast and take a listen to them. Uh, we'll post links on the Disc Golf Answer Man Facebook group so you can check them out. Um, any parting words, gentlemen? Is that good? Is that good? Yeah. Is that good? We will see you guys next week on the Disc Golf Answer Man Show. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Goodbye. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> okay. <clears throat>